Good evening. Welcome to tonight's live and interactive telephone town hall. Tonight, I am joined by the Alberta Pension Plan public engagement panel, including panel chair Jim Dinning and panel members Mary Ritchie and Moyen Yaya. Before we hear from our speakers, let me uh, explain how this town hall will work. Right now, residents from across the Calgary area are connecting to the call, and soon you'll have a chance to join the conversation. You can get in line to join the conversation right now or at any time by pressing star three on your phone and you'll be connected to an operator who will ask your name and your community. If you don't feel comfortable sharing your comments live, you can tell the operator that you would like to have the moderator read it for you. We hope to use this time to have a two-way conversation about the Alberta Pension Plan. The panel want to hear your ideas, your comments, and your suggestions, as well as answer any questions that you may have. Now, I would like to welcome Jim, Jim Dinning, Chair of the Alberta Pension Plan Public Engagement Panel to share a few opening remarks. Thank you, Colin, and uh, good evening, everyone, and thank you for joining us for this third town hall meeting. My name is Jim Dinning, and for 20 years, I served in the Alberta government as a public servant, then as a member of the Alberta Legislative, Legislative Assembly from the southwest corner of Calgary. And, uh, and also as a cabinet minister until 1997. Today I am in business and serve on corporate and not-for-profit boards of directors. We're joined tonight by my fellow panelists, both of whom are from Edmonton. Mary Ritchie is a respected chartered accountant and corporate director. And Mary was Alberta's first nominee to serve on the board, the board of directors of the Canada Pension Plan Investment Board in 1997. And Moin Yaya is a highly regarded law professor at the University of Alberta and served on the government's fair deal panel. And, and it was that fair deal panel that got us here. They recommended the government examine an Alberta pension plan. So the government took their advice and they did. They commissioned an independent study from a Toronto-based pension expert called Morneau Chappelle, now known as LifeWorks, to crunch the numbers and see if an Alberta pension plan could work. The government released their report a few weeks ago and at the same time created our independent panel to listen to Albertans and report back on what we heard. Now, uh, I left politics a quarter of a century ago and even when I was a politician, I cared more about public policy than politics. And that's why I agreed to chair the panel, because for something this big, it's important to have a rational adult discussion. And these days, there aren't enough of those, so we want to have one here. For some people, the whole idea of an Alberta pension plan is a non-starter. No matter what, the answer is no. Uh, okay, I, I get that. Uh, for other people, the answer is yes, no matter what. More Alberta, less Ottawa is what they say. Okay, I get that too. But for many people, the answer is maybe. Maybe, but, 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 it, but it just depends. And that's why we want to hear your comments tonight. Since we began our engagement process uh, in October, we've had some events. Uh, one was uh, the fact that there's been plenty of debate over the number, whether it's the Morneau-Chapelle report or whether it's an economist report or, or other numbers. 
the value of the assets that would come from the Canada Pension Plan to an Alberta Pension Plan if there is one. That's the number they're talking about. Well, a few days ago, Premier Smith announced that Albertans will have a hard number before they're asked to vote in any kind of a referendum about an Alberta plan. And then just last week, another event was that the federal government said it will ask Canada's chief actuary to estimate what Albertans' share of CPP assets is. No doubt that number will not be the final one. There's still plenty of debate and negotiation to be done. But at least we will have a second actuarial calculation on the table because so far the only actuarial study that's been done is the Morneau-Chapelle report. So clearly there's more work to come on that front. But beyond the number, there's plenty more to talk about. And that's why Mary and Moyne and I are here to listen to you tonight. We're not here as advocates, we're here as listeners, less to answer questions, more to hear your comments on the other important issues. But in the end, you are the jury. Our job is simply to tell the government, here's what Albertans told us, these are their thoughts and concerns, and then it will be up to the government to decide what to do next. I'm now gonna turn it over to my fellow panelists, first to Mary Ritchie. Mary? Thank you, Jim, and hello, everyone. My name is Mary Ritchie. In terms of background, my formal training is as a chartered accountant. And over the years, I've provided advice to many public and private companies, particularly regarding financial oversight and auditing. I also had the privilege of serving on the first board of the Canada Pension Plan Investment Board, this was created in 1997 to manage the assets of the CPP. So I bring a unique perspective to this, having seen and experienced how the CPP's pension funds are managed right from its beginning. I know from experience how crucial it is for people's pension assets to be managed well. So that's an area where we really hope to gain insight tonight. If Alberta left the CPP and started an Alberta plan, there would be a huge pension fund to manage. I know people have different views about the size of Alberta's share, but regardless of the exact number, it would be significant. So a big question is, how would Albertans want this managed? What should the oversight look like? How do you balance independence and accountability? What kind of mandate would be best? The CPP Investment Board has a mandate to achieve a maximum rate of return without undue risk of loss. Quebec does something similar with their plan, but they also allow the pension fund to be used to stimulate economic development in Quebec. Is that a model to consider? We really look forward to your feedback on this as we will use it to develop our recommendations. So if you have some thoughts on this, please press three to let us know. And with that, I will turn things over to Moyen. Uh, thank you, Mary. Uh, as uh, Jim uh, mentioned, I was uh, one of the members of the Fair Deal panel that uh, looked into various ways that Alberta can strengthen its position within Confederation. One of the things we heard from Albertans was to look into the question of a separate Alberta pension plan, and that's indeed what the uh, Fair Deal panel 
recommended that the provincial government do is to investigate the bona fides of setting up a provincial pension plan. And at the end of the day, if the government decides that is the way to go, then to put it to Albertans via a referendum. And so uh, here we are uh, on this part of the uh, consultation process where we are looking forward to your feedback on, on the various questions that you may have about an Alberta pension plan. You should know that uh, pensions are a provincially, um, constitutionally speaking, our provincial jurisdiction. And so when the federal government proposed a national pension plan in the 1960s, they got all the provinces to agree to join in except the province of Quebec at the time. Nonetheless, the CPP Act, the Canada Pension Plan Act, left open the possibility uh, that a province may wish to leave. And that is specified in the Act. And the Act uh, has a process by which a province choosing to leave can leave. There is also a formula in the Act that explains how much money the leaving the province that's exiting the plan would get. That formula was applied in the LifeWorks uh, report um, that was commissioned by the government. And uh, it's a number, it's a, it's a question that a lot of people uh, have been having about this in this consultation process. And uh, it's also a question that has come up between the federal government and the provinces. And so, as uh, Jim mentioned, uh, the feds have uh, committed to asking the chief actuary of the CPP to uh, give us a number. We will see what that number is. But in the meantime, we still want to hear and understand what are your concerns. And I look forward to hearing uh, your questions and comments. Thank you. Thank you to the Alberta Pension Plan Public Engagement Panel for their opening remarks. For those of you who have just connected, welcome to tonight's Telephone Town Hall about the Alberta Pension Plan. Joining us this evening are panel chair Jim Dinning and panel members Mary Ritchie and Moyen Yaya. If you would like to join the conversation right now or at any time during the town hall, press star three on your phone and you will be entered into the queue. For those of you listening online, please enter your comment directly into the portal. To start the conversation tonight, the panel would like to ask a quick poll question. For those of us joining by phone, I will now direct your attention to the keypad. After I've asked the question, please choose your answer by selecting the corresponding number on your phone keypad. Please listen to all the answers before you make your decision. For those of you listening online, you will see the poll on the portal and you can choose to answer directly there. Our first question for the uh, first question for you tonight is, what concerns you most about an Alberta pension plan? Press one for how the asset fund will be managed. Press two for whether my pension will be lower than CPP. Press three for whether my pension will follow me if I move in and out of Alberta. Or press four for I do not have any, enough information yet. Thank you for that. Our second question for tonight is, what interests you the most about an Alberta pension plan? Press one for the possibility of lower pension premiums for large paychecks. Press two for the possibility of having larger pension payments for seniors. Press three for having our pension assets and options under Alberta's jurisdiction. And press four for the possibility of spin-off jobs and a stronger financial sector. Thank you for that. The quick poll results will be reflected in the panel's final report. Now let's get to our first caller of the evening. This is uh, Dave, whose question comes in online. 
and it's uh, for Jim. Annually, how much do Albertans contribute to CPP and how much do Albertans receive in benefits? Well, thank you, Dave. Uh, great question. Uh, in fact, if you go to page 48 and 49 of the LifeWorks report, it, it spells out exactly line by line since 1966 how much Alberta workers and Alberta employers have contributed, contributed in column one and how much, how, many, how much in the way of benefits the, the plan has paid to Albertans in column two. And in fact, in the, in the last year, and all of these numbers, no one, no one just imagined these numbers, they actually came from the Canada Pension Plan in their publicly released data. And in fact, in, the, in that last year, on uh, 2021, they estimate that it was $9.1 billion, $9.1 billion that Alberta workers and Alberta employers contributed to the plan. And uh, it paid out $6.65 billion in benefits. So there you're, you're looking at a two and a half, about a two and a half billion dollar difference, more contributions than benefits paid. And in fact, if you added up all of those numbers in those two columns, it comes out that about nearly 60 billion billion dollars of over contributions, net positive contributions over and above what was paid out in benefits that Albertans and their employers paid over that 55, 56 years since 1966. So it's a substantial sum of money and it's probably one of the reasons why there's some debate over um, over what the what the number that would be owed to an Alberta pension plan were one set up. But thanks for the question, Dave. And thank you for that. Uh, I, we do have a live question here uh, from Stephen Calgary uh, for our panel member Mary. Uh, Steve, you're live with the panel. Uh, thank you. Um, my question is, now the Canada Pension Plan has checks and balances to prevent any sitting government from just doing whatever they want. Um, and so two-thirds of the Canadian provinces need to approve any major changes to the plan. I'm curious what the uh, Alberta Pension Plan would ha have to prevent um, either, say, uh, Rachel Notley or Daniel Smith, for that matter, from just doing what they want with it as a slush fund or investing it in companies that they support. Thank you. Thank you, Steve, for your question. And you're correct about the two-thirds of, uh, of the provinces have to agree before any significant changes are made. And the government of Alberta has indicated that they too would look at legislation to make sure that no government could just use the funds for anything other than ultimately the benefit of the pensioner. And so that's gonna be a really important part of whatever legislation comes out. So we've heard the, this comment before and we're certainly going to let the government know uh, of comments like yours, Steve. Thank you very much. Excellent, thank you for that. Uh, we do have a, a comment from Isabel for Jim. 
Uh, how would the Alberta Pension Plan amount be any different from than what we receive from CPP now? So, Isabel, in in the uh, legislation allowing enabling a province to leave the Canada Pension Plan, there is an, a, 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 a requirement. I want to say a very clear requirement that the that the province must pay benefits equal to or better than the existing Canada Pension Plan benefits, and and so. You, there is no way, there's absolutely no way the government would be allowed to reduce your benefits, the ones that you're now receiving from the Canada Pension Plan. But one of the attractions, Isabel, for, for establishing a plan in Alberta is that because of our demographics, younger population, therefore a lower draw on the pension plan compared to other provinces and a higher than average number of people working and higher than average wages, Alberta would be able to have be possibly, and this is one of the questions we're asking you tonight, that if there was that kind of a surplus, would you want it to be, uh, uh, would you want it to benefit Albertans who are receiving benefits now and increase their benefits? Or would you want contributions to be able to, the, the, the plan would be able to lower contributions or perhaps a combination of both. And so if you have a chance to put your comments in tonight and uh, leave them with the operator, please do so and say, what would you rather have? Higher benefits, lower contribution rates or both? If, if and when the number is finally established and we know what could be afforded if we uh, had that extra money to increase benefits. Thank you for that. And if you'd like to join the conversation right now or at any time during the town hall, please press star three on your phone and you will be entered into the queue. Uh, I do have a question from, or uh, comment from Paul in Calgary. Paul, you're live with the panel. Paul, are you? Paul, you'll are you there? Paul, you'll have to Ooh. unmute yourself. Who you call? Sorry, Paul, you're live with the panel. Paul, okay. Um, so I guess my first question is, where did this idea for the Alberta Pension Plan come from? Uh, in in the you know sixty some years I've lived in this province, I've never heard mention of it before. It wasn't an election issue, and I sort of question why it's coming up now. Um, is it an issue that's to distract the population? Is it? a way for Danielle Smith to say, screw you, Ottawa. I, I'm just aghast that we're wasting time on something that's not a huge issue. The Canada Pension Plan is doing very well. It's well-respected. And the Alberta government, the Heritage Fund has done nothing. The ATA Pension Plan, they lost billions when the Alberta government took it over. Why now is this an issue? Because it's never come up before. Moyne, would you uh, would you talk to us about the fair the fair deal panel? 
Yeah, it was one of the pieces that the Fair Deal panel consulted all the Britons on, and the Fair Deal panel heard uh, strong. Um, it, it didn't hear uh, any objections to the idea. It heard some support, uh, strong support. Uh, it wasn't uh, overwhelming enough to for the panel to recommend that this be done for sure, like some other parts of the Fair Deal panel report. What the Fair Deal panel said is to the government, think about it, study it. If it's a good idea, uh, consult Albertans. And if you still think it's a good idea, then put it uh, to Albertans via referendum. So I think that's why we're at this uh, stage right now. Thank you for that. Uh, we do have another live question uh, from Scott in Calgary for Jim. Scott, you're live with the panel. Hi, thanks for having me. Yeah, I, I, again, I, similar to the other callers' uh, question, like why would we leave one of the best performing pension plans in the world? Um, you, you guys are essentially saying we're not getting enough back, but you also you, you know, are redundant in yourself and saying that it's because of our population and then we don't have enough seniors here. So really, you're just going to cause more holes in Canada and cost Canadian government yourselves millions of dollars fighting over this value. It's not something I want as a taxpayer. And again, at like why and why wasn't it a part of the original survey when it was asked, why do we want to leave or do we not want to leave? It was just asked how we wanted to use the pension plan. It had to be the NDP to ask that question. So Scott, is it fair to say then that you, you're, you'd say no, you're not in favor of establishing an Alberta pension plan. Is that fair? That is fair. Okay, that's what we've heard tonight. What Moyne said and what others have, have said to governments and said publicly for a number of years that we ought to study. And then some have said we ought to set up an Alberta pension plan like right now. And and, the, and one of the reasons why is because uh, the number I gave earlier was that there are a number of people who know that we are over contributing to the, that Albertans are over contributing to the Canada Pension Plan. And if those over contributions and the net of that can be brought back to Alberta and managed, no one's criticizing the Canada Pension Plan. It's, you're right, it's, one, it's a very fine investment board. But if there's one thing that Albert, Alberta and Albertans could benefit from is if those funds were brought back to Alberta and managed here, not, not to invest in oil and gas and not to invest in government pet projects, but to, to uh, invest those funds with a, with a global perspective and create benefits for Albertans and especially in increased contributions I'm sorry, decreased contributions or increased benefits, then a number of people said that's worthy of study. And, it's wor and, if, and if the study shows that it's favorable, then, then put it to Albertans to decide. And that's some of the additional background in, in addition to what Moyne said, uh, that the government has asked that Morneau Chappelle did this report and that we were then asked to go and ask Albertans. But in your case, we got it loud and clear, you're not in favor. Thank you for that. Uh, Graham uh, from online uh, has a question for Jim. 
If we are not chosen to speak tonight, is there an email address where we can send our comments so that they can be seen by the panel and incorporated into their report? Uh, well, thank you, Graham, for the, for the question. You can do it two ways. One, tonight you can press star and uh, three and, and uh, have your comments heard by and written down by the operator. And that's number one. Number two, we're also receiving um comments at a email address uh, address it's a long one so uh, it says it's comments plural comments at alberta pension plan dot ca all all uh, all one word alberta pension plan so we'd welcome your comments there as well please send them along thank you for that jim uh, we have a live caller, uh, Teresa in Calgary, for, with a question for Jim. Teresa, you're live with the panel. Thank you very much. Um, uh, my question is, how can we uh, get the seniors that are so scared about losing their pension, but not just their pensions, but the pensions for their children? And the previous caller mentioned... ATA, the Heritage Fund, and AMCO. AMCO. <clears throat> could you please, that was all false information that he gave. So could you please give some seniors some graphs on what happened with the ATA pension? They went bankrupt and you bailed them out. The Heritage Fund has, has in, made massive increases, but they went into general revenues. And AIMCO's ability to improve both of those funds. Um, I think if you laid some of the real facts in just simple graphs to seniors, they might buy in. Yeah. So, Teresa, is that it, it, your your big concern then is how well the money is managed, so that uh, seniors don't worry that their check will somehow not come or will come up short the next time uh, they get a check. Is that the worry? And for their children. Almost all seniors are grandparents or parents. We want to yeah. make sure there's yeah. longevity in this fund. And the previous caller misinformed everybody with his information. So if you could put out some simple graphs on AIMCO's achievements in ATA yeah. And the Heritage Fund. It's not. It's been legislated that the Heritage Fund profits cannot go into general revenues. That's by your government. And I, the ATA was bailed out by the government. It, it's not mismanaged by the government. There was a deal that they yeah. had to pay back what the government bailed them out with. Like, let's put some real yeah. facts on the table about. AIMCO managing this fund. Teresa, you know, it, it is a good point. And, and there have been, you know, I've, I've, I've listened just like you have to people say things and, and they're not always accurate. You're, you're absolutely right. So the kind of disclosure and transparency you're asking for about whether it's the teacher's retirement fund or about AIMCO or it's, it's a good point. And we'll pass that message along to the government that reassuring Albertans, and especially we seniors, and I'm one of those as well, receiving a pension, uh, a Canada pension plan, 
that 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 those numbers, that those dollars, that those payments are not at risk. But uh, your comments about disclosure and telling the giving the facts, uh, we'll pass those along. Thank you. Thank you, Jim, and thank you, Teresa, for your uh, comments. I have a question here from Alfred uh, in Calgary uh, and for Mary in the panel and a live question. So Alfred, you're live with the panel. Yeah, thank you. And thank you for having me. So what I'm very concerned about is that the pension plan will invest a lot of money in Alberta. And that means that when the economy is down, uh, job prospects for everyone are down, my house price is down, then also my pension assets are down. What you should do as an investor is diversify. And Alberta is 0.3% of the world economy. So what we should do is exactly not invest in Alberta. And this could be a concern for this or any future government that we have, that there is an overinvestment in our province, which would not be in the interest of pensioners at all. Thank you for your question, Alfred. That is a or comment, Alfred. That's a really great comment. Uh, we're a small portion of anything that would have to be invested in. Diversification is key. That's not just in Alberta, but in Canada, North America, and the world. And as you know, I, I, I hear that you sound like a fairly sophisticated investor. You have to look at equities and bonds and uh, real estate, and there are many, many places to invest all over the world. And that's where any group, whether it was the CPP who continued to manage an Alberta pension plan or a new group was formed, would have to be smart, sophisticated, and diversify. And we're certainly going to make sure that comment gets captured in our report as well, Alfred. So thank you for that observation. And thank you, Mary, for your for your comments. Uh, we have a online question here from Laura, who writes, why do you think Albertans are paying more to CPP than other provinces? And I will have Moyen answer that question. Good question. I mean, the basic um, demographic reality is that Alberta has a uh, strong economy that attracts a lot of young workers from uh, the rest of Canada and from the rest of the world, and uh, our uh, incomes are higher. And so that means uh, we have more people contributing into the pension plan than taking out. And uh, because the incomes are higher, more people are putting in the maximum uh, deduct deductions from uh, in terms of premiums. And so uh, on an average, Albertans are over contributing uh, collectively into the pension plan than are drawing out. That's just a function of our demographics, which you could argue are driven by our economy at present. And if I can just add to that, Laurel, Moyne is absolutely right. We individually don't contribute more than the people in Saskatchewan or Ontario or BC or the Yukon, but there are just so many more of us making employed, making a higher than average um, income. So we are, and, and there are so fewer of us drawing from the Canada Pension Plan to receive benefits because we're a younger population. As a result, Albertans over-contribute uh, against the, 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 the benefits that are paid out. 
And that that's the that's the argument that people have been making is that Albertans have over contributed. And that but but to be clear, none of us, no one is saying that Albertans individually are contributing more than the other people, other pension members, pension plan members in other parts of the country. Thank you, panel, for your, your response to Laura's question. Uh, we do have a live question for Bonnie from Southwestern Alberta, and it'll be for Jim. Bonnie, you're live with the panel. Oh, hello. I, uh, I asked the operator to ask the question, actually. But um, when is this plan going to be implemented, uh, do you think? What's the proposed time limit? Yeah. Mary here, um, there has been an, um, a comment from the Premier saying nothing will happen before there is a firm number and has suggested that at that point a referendum uh, would possibly occur depending on how the negotiations and the number look. So we're a long ways away from that happening. But Bonnie, I'm sorry, I was on mute, uh, my mistake. So thank you, Mary. Um, Bonnie, the, what would happen is if Albertans, if the Premier said, they would not proceed uh, to trigger a Alberta pension plan uh, before going to a referendum of Albertans. And if Albertans said yes, then then the province has, uh, there's, it's laid out in the act that Three, it has to give three years notice to okay. begin to be able to start running a pension plan three years after they've uh, they've said yes. So let's just say that on January the 1st, 2025, the province said, okay, we're, the Albertans have told us to proceed. So we're triggering this and it would start, it would start as early as January the 1st, 2028. So this is a long game. Nothing's going to happen really fast here, but most assuredly, your benefits will continue. Whether it's a CPP or an Alberta pension plan, your benefits will be the same, uh, or under an Alberta plan, they could possibly, possibly be higher. Okay. Thank you. Thank you, Bonnie. And thank you to the panel for your response. I have a question that comes in online uh, for Mary from Colleen. Is there going to be legislation that restricts the type of investment the fund can participate in? Hello, Colleen. Thank you for your question. Um, <clears throat> what I'm taking away from your question is you're, you're hopeful that there will be uh, restrictions that people can't just invest uh, on whims or because they think money should go somewhere, there would be very clear legislation setting it, this fund up like there would be for the existing CPP fund that says this is 
what you're to do. And, and uh, in the CPP's case, it's maximize returns, minimize risk. And that involves then looking at uh, worldwide investments, as we said earlier, might be bonds or equities or real estate, but being smart about how this would be invested. So there would definitely be legislation needed to set this up. And I hope that answers your question, Colleen. Thank you for that. Uh, we have a question on, uh, sorry, a live question from Laurel in Calgary. Uh, Laurel, you're live with uh, Jim in the panel. Okay, I hope you can hear me and I'm not muted. We can hear you loud and clear. Perfect. Um, first of all, I think this is a huge distraction from the pro problems we're experiencing in our province right now that should be looked after. Um, but I have a couple questions. Uh, they said if we have a referendum, it's non-binding. So if the majority of Albertans vote no, how do we know that this government's not going to push it through anyway? Because it says it's non-binding. And my second question is, who gets to vote? Every Albertan that's ever paid into CPP for 60 years or just the people living here now? Thank you. Well, Laurel, let me take a try to take a stab at it. I, I think what the government uh, was was saying about non-binding, and I'll, I'll leave the politicians to answer and give you the political answer. But I'm sure I'm sure if if the vote came, if the vote say came in at 51-49, 51 in favor, 49 opposed, I have a feeling the government would would have to think very very carefully before triggering the referendum. Before I'm sorry, before triggering a, an Alberta pension plan. And it would have to consult widely to make sure that it, to, to make sure that they made the right decision, because that's kind of razor thin. And I'm sure people like you, if I won't speculate on how you're going to vote, but if the people voted against and it was 51-49, it was won only by 51-49. I'd sort of want to make sure the government had a real sense of the right decision to make. So it's in the, in that sense. I, I think it's appropriate that it's that it's non-binding. The government, in the end, has has the authority to make that decision, and and they they know that they'll have to face the voters sometime after making that decision. And and if voters like it, they'll vote for them, and if they don't, they'll vote against them. And Thanks as for, for who votes, as for who votes, it would be under the Elections Act. And all those people in the province of Alberta eligible to vote uh, would would be eligible to vote. And if you live somewhere else, and you might have contributed to it. You're living in BC. Uh, you would not be eligible to vote. Thank you for providing some of that clarity, Jim. Uh, I have a live question from Ian in High River. Ian, you're live with Moyen, Moyen in the panel. Hello. Can you hear me? Good evening. We can hear hear you. You're live with the panel. Okay. Um, yeah, I'm. I I just don't understand why we're being distracted by this. And I guess my thinking is, right now we have the power of nine provinces working towards this Canadian pension plan. How does it make sense to go it alone? 
uh, and only have one province working towards our pension plan doesn't make sense to me. That's it. Well, so uh, the point uh, that uh, we heard in the Fair Deal panel was that you're right, there are nine provinces working towards this pension plan, but not all the contributors or not all the provinces, if you aggregate those people in each province, are contributing equally. Some are net contributors, like Alberta. We are putting collectively more money into the plan, and other provinces are net drawers. So other provinces are taking money out of the system. And so if Alberta did go it alone, it would have to maintain the same level of benefit. This is under the uh, Canada Pension Plan Act. But there will be more options and flexibility in designing an Alberta pension plan. Perhaps the contributions would be lower, or the benefits could be higher, or a combination thereof. And so going it alone uh, would give Albertans more flexibility in designing a, a pension plan that would be comparable to pension plans across uh, the rest of the provinces. Um, but in terms of the nine versus one, uh, not all the nine are contributing equally positively to the system right now. Some are drawing in and some are drawing out. So that's that's the thinking behind uh, this consultation. Thank you for that, Moran. Uh, I have a question from uh, Peter in Calgary. I want to know what they plan on investing the money in, and I will direct that to Mary. Thank you for your your question. And as I mentioned earlier, it would have to be a sophisticated investment group that would look at all sorts of investments around the globe. And uh, now uh, any investment group has to do that and, and have a balance of geography, equity, bonds, and, and look at a whole collage, which changes over time, but has to be thoughtful and uh, smart to invest. So I, I, I uh, think that's yet to be decided, but it would mirror what we see in many pension funds currently, including the CPP Investment Fund. Thank you for those comments, Mary. Uh, I have a question uh, from Sheila in Calgary uh, that's live with the panel. Uh, Sheila, you're live with Jim in the panel. Okay, hello. Um, you can hear me, I take it? Oh, Sheila. Hello? Hello. Hello, um, Sheila. Now, hello. Now, thank you so much for clarifying that we don't individually contribute any more as Albertans than any other Canadian to the Canada Pension Plan. And this repeated phrase, Albertans are over-contributing, is based on what's a demographic advantage. There's more of us, we make more money, and greater portion of us are in the workforce. Now that demographic advantage needs to be really big to make up for the fact that we're leaving a large diversified fund for a smaller, funds that doesn't give us as many options just because it's smaller. So we have got to really get significant advantages and long lasting ones from that demographic advantage to come out ahead, uh, just or even come out even. Now, my concern is that this gets repeated that Alberta uh, contributes more, 
But what happens is that residents of Alberta, and in a period of time do, people come to Alberta, they work here. But what's being told, what we're, what we're being told is that there's a mythical Albertan who spends their entire career and their entire re- retirement here. The LifeWorks report was very clear. They have no, they do not know and cannot track the individuals coming back and forth to and from Alberta. So I think it's safe to assume that many people come from other countries and other provinces for a few years and pump up those demographic advantages, younger, higher income, more in the workforce, and then they go back to their other province. So if we, but they, um, yeah, the CPP is based on individual paychecks, not on provinces. So if we decide yeah. to fence off a province, we could be in for some nasty surprises when we all stay here, we all retire here, or whether we retire in another province and do we get our pension if we move to the other province? Following all of those Alberta people who come for a while, and don't might give us an asset. And our our employment may not. I mean, there's always concerns about that demographic advantage lasting in long term. And a pension plan is a long term plan. Um, our oil sands companies are getting much better at producing more while hiring less. They've got their driverless vehicles and all the rest of it. So we there are no guarantees that even if that demographic advantage does exist now, and it may not be as solid as we think. Even if it does, it may not last. So why would we trade a smaller plan for a riskier one? Sheila, it's, it's, a, it's a fair question. Thank you for making the point that you've made that there, is, there are risks. And, uh, and the uh, LifeWorks or Monarch Chappelle report acknowledged that there are risks. Uh, the demographics is an argument that we, could, we probably could talk about all night long. But the fact is that our demographics have been in our favor for several of the last 50 years. And, and you can ask, I suppose you can even ask the politicians what they think the, um, the outlook is. And I suspect whatever political stripe was going to answer the question, they'd all be quite optimistic about a continuing influx of, of Canadian, other Canadians and other people from around the world coming here because of the opportunities. And the fact is that that some of them may stay here and will age. And in fact, there are a number of of Canadians who moved here. There's a higher net in migration of people over the age of 65. We have a positive net in migration of people over the age of 65 for the last 20 odd years. And as for people moving, taking their their pensionable service from here and moving to Quebec or moving to British Columbia, my pension today includes two years of pensionable income and work early in my career in Quebec. And when my pension got established in Alberta, the, the Quebec pension plan effectively transferred some assets to the CPP so that they would be able to pay for those two years that I worked in Quebec. And the same kind of portability and reciprocity agreements would be established, would be, would be negotiated, 
the number of people said how complex that's going to be. It is complex, but but it it can be done, and as long as it's done on an actuarially sound basis, those transfers and th that migration can be paid for by those by the contributions that were made by that person during their years of service, no matter where they worked, and and their benefits flowing to them here in the province today if they retire here. So it, it, anybody who says this is simple, it's easy, don't worry, it's, it's, all, it's all gonna happen with a snap of a finger, don't, that, that's not true. And I haven't heard anybody say that, that it's going to be an easy thing to do. But, but the, 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 the Morneau Chappelle report made it clear some of the benefits that can accrue to Alberta because of this. And that's why we're out on the road asking Albertans, do you agree? Thank you for your uh, your comments, uh, Jim. And we have another question here live for the panel from Wayne in Pincher Creek. Uh, Wayne, you're live with Mary in the panel. Uh, thank you. Um, I guess my question was uh, number one about eligibility. So uh, if somebody moves uh, into Alberta, say with only one or two years left in their working careers are and, and if our pension turns out to pay higher than the Canada pension plan are, are, are they eligible to receive a higher rate for the entire time that they they live in Alberta as a retired person thank you Wayne for your question and for those years where they lived and worked outside of Alberta they would collect from the Canada pension plan as uh, that's where their contributions have gone. And uh, the whole portability issue, those last two years, they would be tracked as Albertans uh, and the Alberta Pension Plan. As Jim mentioned, this is a complex issue, but my understanding is that is how that would work. So they would not be deemed to have always worked in Alberta, but rather uh, still be entitled to their Canada Pension Plan. And Thank you for that question. But this is something we'll note too and make sure these concerns are raised in our report. Thank you, Wayne, for that question. And uh, thank you, Mary, for your response. Uh, we have a question, uh, a live question from Judy in Calgary. Uh, Judy, you're live with Mary in the panel. Yes, hello. Hi, Judy. Hello. Hi. Uh, my question Hi. is, first of all, I, I'm receiving the CPP on a survivor uh, benefit due to my late husband's demise, and is that going to carry through on your proposed APP? Judy, yes, the benefits that people are currently receiving would have to continue in all their forms, including survivor benefit. And uh, like you, this is uh, a topic of great interest to me because I too receive survivor benefit. And that would be an important part of any new plan. And again, we're gonna keep mentioning these in our report that people have concerns and they have to be addressed. My understanding is that there would be no reduction in benefits 
from whether you were getting something in the CPP to a new Alberta pension plan, they would have to be at least as good payments. Thank you for that, Mary. Uh, we have a question, a live question here uh, from Mohammed in Calgary. Mohammed, you're live with Jim in the panel. Mohammed, if you could just unmute yourself. Hello. It looks like we. Oh, Mohammed. Hello. Excellent, Mohammed. You're live with uh, Jim in the panel. Hi, good afternoon, and uh, I'm Mohammed from Calgary. Actually, I follow up this transition from CPP to ABP, and I am very optimistic. And uh, just I have a comment regarding that. So, like, I am senior now, I am 73 years old, and my CPP around $350. And in, in uh, this condition and this, you know, inflation is doing nothing. So I don't know if in the APP are you going to set a minimum payment like for ABP, so that is help us to survive at least. Especially these things is applied in some countries and you have at least the minimum payment for you know pension plan. Well, Thank Hamid, you. Uh, it's Jim. Thank, thanks for your question, Mohammed. Uh, it, it's a hard one because the amount that the Canada pension plan or an Alberta pension plan would pay out is determined by the amount of contributions that each of us have put in to the plan over the last, in, in my case, over the last 50 odd years. And and that then determines how much we get paid out. So uh, in your case at 350, you're saying that clearly is not enough to live on. And with it comes old age, a federal program that's unrelated, but, but integrated with, but as a separate program, the old age security program and the guaranteed income supplement program. And then there may be other benefits that you would also receive. But the actual Canada pension plan or the Alberta pension plan would still be, would, would run the same way. That what you put in over the years is what determines how much your monthly pension will be. Thank you for that, Jim. Uh, we have a a uh, question from Chuck online. Would an APP include both CPP and OAS? And I will uh, direct that question to Mary. Um, currently, the OAS is administered separately, and that would continue. So they would not be uh, administered together. The APP would have to be separate. Thank you, Chuck. 
And thank you for providing that clarification. We have a, a live question from Gloria in Calgary. Gloria, you're live with uh, Mary in the panel. Yes, I spent 30 years in the oil industry, and I went through all the boom and bust, etc. I was with a company that had 4,200 people. Within it. With the bust, we ended up with 1,200. And these people were, you know, leaving the province. And then when things got better, they'd come back. And then when things got bad, they'd leave again. And if we had the Alberta pension plan, you know, what pension would they get, especially if they decided to finally retire in Nova Scotia? This uh, question really relates to the whole portability and movement between provinces. And what would happen is that portion that was paid into the CPP would track with that person and that person portion that came from uh, working in Alberta would track. So in essence, there would be two checks received to them. So it is the culmination of all your years of work and working in various provinces like Jim, I've, I've collected and paid into CPP pretty much, I think in every province in uh, the country. However, I'm now collecting one check from CPP that has gathered all that uh, information from where I was working. So that would have to continue. Thank you for that, Mary. Uh, we have a live call from Dermot in Calgary. Uh, Dermot, you're live with Moyen in the panel. So my question is, um, my question is the LifeWorks report states that uh, they got estimate 53% of the Canada Pension Plan resources would be transferred back to Alberta. Every other report or every other comment starts at 12%, goes to 14%, goes to 16%. I'm just wondering why such a huge, huge difference. That's my question. And I have a comment when, when I get an answer to that question, please. Yeah, it's a question of uh, how you do the math. Uh, there's a formula in the CPP Act, and the, uh, and the the idea behind the formula is that if uh, you know think about two people who have put fifty dollars in at the beginning, and one person is drawing ten dollars out and one person's adding ten dollars back in, at the end of five years there will still be a hundred dollars in the pot, but one person now has is you know is entitled to the full hundred and somebody has taken fifty dollars out, so. If Alberta is putting more money into the system, uh, and Albertans collectively, I should clarify, are putting more money into the system over the years, then as that pot grows, it's growing because of these extra premiums that are going in. The question is, how much of that is Alberta entitled to? And so the LifeWorks uh, actuaries did the math line year by year. And uh, so it's not just the total dollar amounts extra that are going in, but the fact that this fund is growing. And where did the fund get the money to grow from? It got it from the extra dollars that Albertans have been putting into it. And so that's how they reach 53%. I think the other calculations are doing a very um, accounting style, uh, just how much money went in and then maybe applying um, basic interest to it. And that's how they get somewhere between 12 and 16%. Whereas the LifeWorks looks at the actual fund and how much it has grown and how much of that can be attributed to the extra surplus that Albertans are putting into it. With, with, 
With Jeremy, such did a you huge, also have a comment as well? Uh, yes, with such a huge variance, I mean, it really f feels like it's a red flagged item between the 14% to 16% to the 53%. I mean, that is huge. Uh, I mean, I understand what, what you said in, in terms of an explanation. My, my other comment is that the fact that this CPP have generated 10% over the last 10 years. AIMCO has generated 7.3% over the last 10 years. I mean, so even the best formula in an Alberta-managed system generated much lower returns than the CPP. It's a world-class system. I'm just wondering, you know, why are we screwing with that? Thank you for that comment. I will uh, direct that to the panel. Well, nobody's trying to screw with anything. Uh, obviously, you're concerned that the CPP does a good job. So uh, why, why, why change that? Why fix that? Uh, there are others, and I, I, I don't want to put words in your mouth, but I think that's that would be the summary of what I've heard. But others would say, look, if Alberta has, if Albertans have over-contributed in the way that Moyne and, and Mary and I have tried to describe over the years, and it means that a that a hundred billion dollars, or two hundred billion, or three hundred billion came out of the CPP because that's what an Alberta plan would be owed. The, the 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 positives of that those funds being managed in Alberta by Al, by Alberta residents with a global perspective of how best to rate to to invest dollars. That 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 there's some benefits there. Uh, there are risks associated with staying with coming to the Alberta pension plan. And there are also risks that the Canada Pension Plan isn't going to continue with the fine performance it's had. It, it, it is all of those are fraught with risks. But the Albertans told the government, study this. Let's understand it. Let's understand both the positives, the negatives, and the risks and the benefits. And that's what LifeWorks has done. That's what Morneau Chappelle report is all about. And and in the end, Albertans will, if a referendum gets called, then Albertans will have a chance that they can decide whether to stay with the CPP or set up an Alberta pension plan. But the Alberta, in the end, Albertans will decide. Thank you, Jim, and thank you to the panel for answering Dermot's uh, comments and concerns. We have a, a question from John in Calgary, uh, a live question. Uh, John, you're live with uh, Jim in the panel. Well, good evening, everyone. Um, actually, I'm going to start with a, a comment uh, to, to Jim. I, I think you should find another word other than over-contribute. Uh, that's a really loaded term. Uh, Albertans have contributed exactly what they should have under the plan, and they've received exactly what they should have under the CPP. Uh, it's, uh, it's a loaded term. Uh, anyway, to my to my real uh, couple of points, <clears throat> uh, there's been a lot of discussion and, and press about the the amount of the asset transfer, uh, but of course the trans uh, any transition from a CPP to an Alberta pension plan includes a transition of obligations and liabilities, uh, and not much has been spoken about that. I, I think it would be very valuable information to uh, be able to get. A present value, an actual real present value of those obligations. 
uh, if the asset number is 300 billion uh, or more or less, I mean, would we compare that to um, if it's 200 billion? Does that necessarily make it a, a, good, a good deal? I, I don't, I don't think so. And if it's 500 billion, does that necessarily mean it's a, a bad deal? Well, I don't, I don't think that's necessarily true either. But uh, I think we need to be clear that uh, this isn't. You know, a free pot of money that it has a lot of strings attached to it. We're, it's like we're receiving a property, but it's got a mortgage attached to it, and, and we need to know exactly what that what that is. Um, so second of all, uh, the LifeWorks report it includes some sensitive sensitivity testing and some adverse scenarios. Uh, but I, I think if we're looking at actually trying to make a decision, we need to look over the next hundred years and do some real stress testing, uh, some really uh, adverse scenarios to see how resilient an APP plan could be, uh, and especially compared to a CPP. I mean, one of the big risks of a of a regional plan, in, in my view, would be interprovincial migration. Uh, there's nothing if, if things don't go well in Alberta 40 years from now. There's really not much stopping people from picking up and leaving in, in droves, which simply you know leads to a spiral of uh, of bad news for Alberta. Um, for a national plan, it's it's not so easy for someone to pick up uh, if they don't have good opportunities here and, and move to uh, you know Germany or the UK or the US. There's a lot of barriers to that, and so a national plan, we're all we're all in it together. Uh, whereas a provincial plan is is subject to the risks of people deciding to pick up and leave. Um, and I, I have a third. Third point or that I hope you can comment on, we, we've talked about the, the political risks of uh, you know, some future government, uh, and we have no idea what kind of governments we're going to be looking at over the next 60 to 80 years. Um, it's not just the assets that uh, can be toyed around with. It's also the, the contributions, uh, the benefits. Uh, um, you know, could a, uh, a future government say, well, we're already you know, providing uh, an Alberta pension plan to all our civil servants so they no longer should get an Alberta, you know, public service pension anymore. Or, I mean, I'm not saying that that's a, a scenario that's likely, but I, we have no idea what uh, what kinds of things future governments may come up with in Alberta. And I think that there are a lot of protections to having requirement for both the federal government and two-thirds uh, majority of the provinces uh, as a as a real barrier to making self-serving self-serving uh, self or um, well, I'll leave it at that self-serving type of, of changes um, I don't know if you can if you're interested in commenting any of <laughs> my comments please Mary do you want to start Mary well that um, covered a lot of very good topics, uh, stress testing being one of them, uh, whole comments on economy, movement of people. These are all, you know, facts uh, that will happen and they are future events and we're certainly going to take note of your comments. I think that's what? all I yeah. had to Moin, is there anything you want to add? Well, I would just say two things. One is there's always the same risks about the provincial government playing with Alberta pension plan exists in the federal scene too. 
Um, there is currently a bill in the Senate uh, by an independent senator uh, trying to force the CPP to and other pension plans to comply with certain green mandates. So, you know, here, the, the feds can also do similar uh, tinkering with the uh, CPP. Uh, so, you know, whatever fears one may have about the provincial government uh, can also impact the federal. And uh, notwithstanding that there are clauses in there requiring a certain number of provinces to agree, that can also be changed by legislation. Uh, so, at the end of the day, I would say the political risks uh, exist on both both sides. Yeah. Uh, John, you've, 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 you've made some thoughtful comments uh, on the actuarial report, the numbers themselves, people picking up and, and leaving, coming and going, and and political risk, and we will make note of those, sir. And thanks for thanks for making them. It, it, the political risk, as as Moyne and Mary have said, is it's it's a two-edged sword. Uh, the CPP could could somehow be be influenced uh, the same way by federal politicians. They haven't been that we know that we know of. And I would say the same kind of restrictions on political or politicians' involvement in decision making and um, and how they invest the funds. We could put the same kind of ring fence around the Alberta pension plan that exists around the Canada pension plan. Perhaps that's that's a that's something that we need to include in our report. But John, thanks for your comments. And thank you very much, panel, to responding to John's comments. Uh, we have a question from Deb. Uh, Deb, you're live with Mary in the panel. Oh, uh, thank you so much. I I have been really enjoying the comments that have come in. So I'll be perfectly blunt from the very beginning, which is I'm in favor of staying with the Canada Pension Plan um, because it works, because it's consistent, because it's reliable, because it's already built. And what we're going to do is try and build a duplicate administration with all of the associated costs and we're gonna pay for it 100% ourselves. So right now we belong to the CPP with eight other provinces and three territories. So we share the administration costs with all of those parties. But if we go it on our own, we're gonna pay the whole thing. So it's gonna cost us more, considerably more. And this is coming from a government that tells me they believe in less bureaucracy and much less red tape so like i'm shaking my head and going like where is this coming from this doesn't belong here and i agree too with a lot of the people who say who are talking about political influence um because i truly believe there is a difference between a federal mandated plan where you've got 10 provinces and three territories a lot of them with different governments who have an input into what happens with this invested interest versus uh, one province, one political party running the show here in Alberta. So that's, and I've got one other point, so I'll let you comment on that one and then I'd like to make my second point if I could. Um, Deb, I'll, I'll take this. When you say that uh, you're very blunt, well, we're grateful for that. It's good to know what people are thinking. And we are noting that you're very much in favor of staying because it works. Uh, as I mentioned at the very beginning, I was on the original board of the CPP Investment Board, and that was 12 good Canadians on a board with no staff. 
and building it from the ground up. So I'm very familiar with how that has to be done and the, the steps. The current uh, CPP investment board has admin costs. What would they look like for an Alberta pension plan? That's something that would have to be studied, but uh, there, these are great jobs that uh, would be wonderful to have in Alberta. We have the talent to do this kind of uh, management and investing. And our costs are significantly lower for uh, office space, all sorts of things than they are in a place like Toronto. So it'd be interesting to do that kind of a math and find out what those admin costs might look like. Um, and would there be savings available? And I suspect there really would be. But uh, to your comment uh, that you're very uh, adamant about staying, we're definitely noting that. And, and thank you for your bluntness. You mentioned you had one more question. Because we have possibly rents that are less. By the same token, we are paying 100% of them, whereas in the CPP, we are only paying a much smaller portion because we share it with eight other provinces and three territories. That makes up by leaps and bounds over a saving in rent. Like you can't compare those two. So that's one thing I just wanna say, I think you whitewashed that and it's, it's not true. It's gonna cost us a bundle and we're gonna to have to recreate it from the ground up. The second thing I wanna say is, I've got close relatives that live in other provinces. And if we pull 53%, no matter how much of the assets we pull out of there, if we pull 53% of the assets out there, we are gonna decimate the pensions for my relatives that live in other provinces. And I am just sick about that. How can we do that to people that we know and love? How can we be so greedy and so selfish that we are gonna take as much as we can for us and leave them out in the cold? That is just plain heartless. Thank you. Thank you for that. I will, oh, sorry, go ahead, Mary. I'm actually gonna make a comment. Uh, you're right when I say rent is just simply one element of it. There's a whole administrative structure and this all has to be analyzed. You're absolutely correct about that. And in terms of other provinces, they too have paid in and they too would get their Canada pension plan. Uh, and if you look at places like uh, Quebec, uh, people are paying slightly more, but not a lot more in Quebec uh, for their pensions. So it's not like people would not get their pensions. They still would. Thank you for that discussion. Uh, Jeff in Calgary has a live question for Mary in the panel. Jeff, you're live with the panel. Yeah. Yes. Hello. Good evening. Hope you can hear me. Hi, Jeff. We, we can hear you just fine. Perfect. Um, we've heard a lot of discussion tonight over uh, the cost of managing such a plan. And um, to me, the biggest issue in all of this is the bureaucracy costs. I'm completely in favor of an Alberta run plan. Um, you know, as long as it doesn't become a bureaucratically expensive thing to operate. Um, we've heard about 
well, there's going to be great jobs and opportunities and so on by bringing that plan home to Alberta. That's exactly what we want to avoid. This needs to be as low cost as possible. That's the, to me, that's the only way this is going to work. And as far as the concerns over not being able to duplicate what's existing in the Canada Pension Plan, that's nonsense. Um, the Canada Pension Plan is, is easy to duplicate, is easy to replicate. So to me, that's a, that's a non-issue. The biggest issue is the bureaucratic costs, and those costs need to be as low as possible. Otherwise, to me, it's a non-starter. And I'll just echo your, your comments. That is absolutely true because returns are net of cost and high cost reduced returns. It has to be a very cost effective. I agree entirely with that comment and, and, and we're going to make sure those comments are noted in our report that people want to make sure that costs are, are not uh, increased or, or sky high because it's turns out to be an Alberta plan. So I, I agree with your concern. Thank you for that, Mary. Uh, we are about 15 minutes before we wrap up uh, for this evening. Uh, we're going to try and get to as many calls as possible. So Marianne, uh, we have a question, uh, sorry, a question live from Marianne in Calgary. Uh, Marianne, you're live with Jim in the panel. Well, I've been listening to all of this and I am totally in favor of it. You know, the more I think Alberta decouples from the federal government, the better off we are. Yes, we're paying more into it by billions as far as our um, uh, CPP goes, uh, our transfer payments. Uh, we're a very small province, yet all of our payments seem, all of our money, you know, is going to all, all of the other provinces especially provinces that have been have not Ontario, Quebec. Quebec managed a pension plan and they were half the time um, a have not province and our uh, transfer payments sure helped them. I think the more we decouple and, and the Albertans look after their own money, I think we are going to be ahead of the game um, because I think federally when we give our money and then federally they might say, as you said, uh, push green initi initiatives or, hey, you know, what about our, our pipelines? They want to squash that. They're not, they're not looking after us. We don't have enough seats, you know, because we haven't centralized our seats. We have no say. We have no voice. We need to look after uh, our money here to be fair to the people here. And I don't think it's going to affect the other um, provinces at all. Um, I think, like they said, they get their own payments. Uh, that's not going to stop. And Alberta people and voices can deal with the the new um, Alberta pension plan. I, I think it's a great idea. Thanks for your comments, Marianne. Excellent. Uh, so we have a time for a few more callers. Uh, let's go to Nat in Calgary with a live call. Nat, you're live uh, with the panel. Hi. Um, I've got a question. So I'm um, a Canadian Armed Forces reservist, uh, as well as a civilian full-time employee in Alberta. 
So I want to know, uh, as a federal employee, will I end up receiving benefits from both the Alberta Pension Plan and the Canadian Pension Plan? Will it transfer over? Or, uh, um, yeah. and Nada, I'll take that. It's Jim. Um, if you if you go to page 39 of the Morneau Chappelle, the LifeWorks report, it makes it clear that um, the Canadian forces or or RCMP uh, are are currently members of the CPP, and 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 that's also true in Quebec. If you're a Canadian Forces or an RCMP member in Quebec, you're a member of the CPP, even though you live and work in Quebec. So uh, the, the report assumes that our forces and our RCMP members would remain part of the Canada Pension Plan. That could change, but if we follow the if, if the Quebec model is followed, you would be a, a recipient of the CPP, not the APP. Thank you for that. Uh, we do have a question uh, here from uh, Heather in Calgary, a live question. Uh, Heather, you're live with Moyen in the panel. Hi there, everybody, and thanks for squeezing me in the last 10 minutes. Um, my question is similar to one that was um, raised earlier. Uh, I too am a chartered accountant, so I am experienced with numbers and financials. and you know, the question um, that another woman raised earlier about how if we are taking out, um, Alberta is taking out its share under the assumption that we've quote unquote over contributed, I don't see how it's possible that that wouldn't impact the other provinces. Because if we're taking out more uh, on a proportionate level than all the other Canadians, it's not numerically possible that there would be no impact on the rest of the provinces that are in the CPP. They would either have to receive less benefits or they'd have to pay in more. You can't have it both ways when you're talking about numbers. And I guess my other question is, to me, this is really asking Albertans to put ourselves as Albertans first, Canadians second, whereas I think a lot of us identify much more as a Canadian before we identify as an Albertan. And so the question is, Regardless of the numbers, because numbers are numbers, you can't possibly say that we get more and there's no impact on everyone else. Uh, what is the government's response in terms of that attitude and that shift uh, with our identity? Would the chartered accountant on the panel like to respond to a fellow chartered accountant? Well, you're absolutely correct. The numbers are the are the numbers, and they they would have to likely pay slightly more, but we're not talking a significant amount or receive slightly less, uh, and that is what the report is has spoken to. So uh, you are correct about that, and um, that that is simply the numbers. Albertans have uh, contributed. Uh, significantly more. But as I mentioned, if you look at the Quebec example, they are one province uh, and their their costs and benefits are not significantly different than uh, the whole combined Canada pension plan. So I don't uh, believe in what we've seen in the report that the numbers wouldn't be hugely different, but their people would have to pay more to get their fair share. I don't know if that answers your question or not. In terms of the uh, 
comment about uh, being Canadian and and we all are all Canadian. We all believe in this country, and these are items for our governments to talk about and discuss and come to some agreement over. So I certainly hear your comment there, and I've heard it from others. Heather, if I may, I'll I'll, I'll refrain from going on at length about this, but I I as a as a an Albertan uh, and as a proud Canadian, I I don't feel that. Albertans need to take a back seat to anybody in the contributions that Albertans make to this country, whether it's through the CPP and the arithmetic here, or whether it's our taxes and the amount of, of, of federal income taxes that are paid to Ottawa, that they, through an equalization formula that's part of the Constitution, that that kind of distribution of those funds get made to, to receiving provinces. And Alberta clearly is not a recipient of equalization and frankly has been cut short on the fiscal stabilization side as well. And then what Albertans are able to do to make an economic contribution to the rest of the country, I, I don't, I, 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 I would be troubled if we found ourselves on our heels defending ourselves because somebody suggested that Albertans, for whatever reason, are greedy. I don't think we are. And I know a number of Albertans who don't believe they are either. And they're thinking that an APP and this report points out deficiencies and that Albertans want a fairer shake. And that's certainly what Moyne and his colleagues heard on the Fair Deal panel. Take your comments. Uh, you and and uh, and uh, Marianne and and De Deb commenting about other Canadians and and that we are we don't want to shortchange other Canadians. No, we don't. But I do think it's fair that Albertans' contributions to the to the to the operations of this country that it's that this report effectively raises some of those questions, and I think it's a fair discussion that we should be able to have. But I appreciate your comments tonight, Heather, and uh, thank you. Thank you, Jim and the panel uh, for your comments here. We're gonna try and do uh, at least one more question before we run out of time this evening. Uh, so I have a live question uh, from Regan in Innisfail. Uh, Regan, you're live with the panel, go ahead. Hello, hello panel, can you hear me? Yes, sir. We got hello. It. Yeah, my question is, uh, doing, my, doing my research on the CPP, it seems like the CPP has a base amount that has to stay in place and only the excess is actually uh, invested. A am I right? And does the APP plan on following a, a scenario like that? By the way, I am all for an APP. Sure, thank you for the comment. And the answer is yes. It is. It is not a. It is a fund where the the net is uh, is is uh, invested, uh, and that's how the fund has grown to be some 550 or 600 billion dollars today, is because while some of the contributions are used to pay benefits, the net is invested, and all Albert all this report says is that Albertans 
have paid in more than was paid out, and that Alberta is Albertans in an APP would ask for their share of the net plus the accumulated investment performance, the interest and the income, and the powers of compound interest result in this actuarial report saying it's $334 billion. You might say it's implausible. I was gobsmacked when I saw the number, but the, the, this, this actuarial report is what determined that large amount. But your point is right, they invest the net. Thank you for that, Jim. And we have time for one more question. Uh, we have a question live from Gary in Calgary. Gary, you're live with Jim in the panel. Yeah, thank you very much. Um, I have a couple of comments. One is, I, uh, first off, I'm in, all in favor of an Alberta pension plan. And with the specifics that it would be a, a hands-off as far as, or an arm's length as far as the government is concerned, with no dipping into that to the point of where we wind up with an unfunded liability. Uh, the other comment I would have is, why would we not want to control our own destiny? Uh, we have the pension funds in Quebec. We're looking at things like the Ontario Teachers uh, Fund, which is enormous. And a lot of those funds will not even think about investing in Alberta. And uh, I just feel that uh, we need to have something that we look after ourselves. Gary, thank you for your comments. We will. Uh, we are taking note of them and we appreciate you uh, phoning in and joining us tonight. Thank you for your comments, Jim. And, uh, and before we end, I would also like to invite uh, Jim to uh, share a few closing remarks as the chair of the Alberta Pension Plan Public Engagement Panel. Uh, thank you again, Colin. Uh, thank you for uh, moderating this evening. And thank you to all of you who've stayed on the line and, and listened to uh, the exchanges that we've had with Albertans tonight. Got some good ideas. We've got some, uh, you know, very different points of view about an Alberta pension plan. Those of you who are uh, against it and want the Canada pension plan to continue to, to, to operate for Alberta workers and employers while others who say that they're all, all in, in favor. Uh, so we've had a, a, a good mix. I'll be interested to see the actual number of people who were on the line and, and who got through and uh, whose comments were noted. But I just, uh, it, this is an important exercise. Uh, it's, there are many, many other issues that the provincial government is dealing with. And this is one that, uh, that they have a report on, they asked, three of us to lead an engagement process so we could hear what Albertans have said. We've heard you loud and clear tonight, and we hope when you see our report that you'll see your comments, your views in that report. And if you do, then we will have done, we will have done our job. So thank you for all the people who can't be seen or are behind the scenes tonight for your help in making this happen. Thank you to you, Moyne, and uh, to Mary for, uh, for your answers to the questions and receiving the comments in the spirit which they were delivered. And uh, we'll look forward to you uh, joining
joining us or listening in again when our next panel when our panel meets again next week. So once again, thank you and thank you, Colin, and I'll leave it to you to wrap up. Uh, thank you, Jim, and the public engagement panel for hosting tonight's uh, telephone town hall. You can join us again on Thursday, November 16th at 6.30 p.m. to continue the conversation. To find more information about the Alberta Pension Plan, visit www.albertapensionplan.ca. Again, that is www.albertapensionplan.ca. Thank you for joining us this evening. Have a good night.